Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, we actually met in weird circumstances. It's actually, it was a cut chemist DJ for Jurassic 5, which is actually a, an LA hip hop iconic group. We actually ended up meeting there and cut chemist actually ended up spinning at the Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles, California, May 4th on 2019, Megan. You I remember actually, the day. I looked it up. And that day I actually painted his logo for him rather than the beaker with the liquid in there with the scissors. I said, oh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to paint a jasmine flower tea with a carafe and his scissors. And so oh. I, I, I went over there. I decided to go over there. That's right. I initially had friends that wanted to go. Right. But then it's one of those things where I kind of realized that, hey, maybe I'm not meant to wait for people. Maybe I'm supposed to go meet people that are already there. And that's when I met Megan. You met us by the turntable. Yeah. By the yeah, turntable. Right? Uh, yeah. And so what happened was, is I carried it there. I'm, I'm going in there with a painting. It was actually unofficially an art show. I don't know if you knew Megan, but Charlie Tuna was actually had an art show that day as well. No. So I'm going into a nightclub with a painting. Next thing you know, I see this lady. We were waiting for Cut Chemist set. And she's just beaming. She's pumping. She's <laughs> dancing. She's screaming. And I'm like, this lady looks, I'm, I'm just going to ask her. I go, excuse me, but do you happen to be an Aquarius? Because I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> you remember that too. You're right. Yeah. And then, and then you turn around and you're like, yeah, I, I happen to be one. How would you know that? I go, oh, it's like, knows like and you know we were just both like we're we're both kind of tall and lanky above our average height we're both pretty hyper we're both kind of nerdy I mean we're rocking the glasses I mean we're both super smiling super hard but yeah ever since then uh yeah we've kind of kept in touch I mean it's to the point where Megan even has some of my original art in her I was just her, talking about it office. I was talking about yeah. my firecrackers yeah and so yeah so this week's guest is a licensed marriage and family therapist, uh, Megan Hansen of Los Angeles. Uh, how are we doing? Good. It's weird to hear my name with uh, from Los Angeles because I'm, I'm raised from Ohio. I've lived a lot of places, but LA is the place I feel most at home. All right. So, so before we get it, let's go on with the icebreaker. I mean, I know one of the biggest dreams for the American dream is to own a house. And I know you, one of your homes is being made and it looks amazing. I mean... Can you talk to me about it? And then what are some of the parallels that you see between making and designing your own house and helping somebody heal uh, through traumatic experience? Kind of like the foundation and all that. <laughs> you're trying to set up, you're trying to set up a, uh, a parallel there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect, right? So yeah, it's true. I'm building a house in the yeah. desert. I'm in a really, in a really fortunate position because I got acreage right before COVID kicked in. Mm. And it's true. I'm building from the ground up. It's funny though. I'm sitting here wanting, part of me is wanting to wrap my head around that metaphor. And part of me is thinking of something I talked about today with clients, which is sometimes the most therapeutic things for me 
And mm-hmm. I think others I'm with, like I work with kids, I work in jails and in underserved neighborhoods, working with kids is in a moment. It's not mm-hmm. actually, there's no foundation. There's no roadmap. There's nothing except you show up in a moment with a kid, mm-hmm. like he's got a knife, maybe we're chopping some onions. Uh-huh. Maybe it's like, yeah, so I'll, I'll still, I'll stick with your parallel. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but like, no I'm, like I was in the desert recently at my, looking at my half built house, mm-hmm. Valentine's day, hanging out with the rocks, you know, mm-hmm. and there were these little road runners that came up and in the same way I might with a kid have a moment where it's, he might be otherwise bouncing off the walls, but we're there mm-hmm. together and he's about to chop a mushroom. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Maybe same thing. Yeah. I'm like hanging out silent nothing around. And then this little roadrunner just comes up and I'm mm-hmm. just watching him in his moment doing his thing. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. So I would say there so more than all the layers and the foundation and the planning and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like so much can happen in one moment. Mm-hmm. How's that? Awesome. <laughs> so what about your socials, Megan? How can somebody go to see you in case they, they might want to check out like your therapeutical sessions or website, Instagram, actually there's quite a bit of music on uh, maybe the, one of the few therapists that has an awful lot of music or musical references on her um, Instagram, but it's meganhansontherapy.com. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also Megan Hanson therapy on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Do you also do sound healing and all that? Do you key in on frequencies when you do therapy? Because I have a friend that does sound healing. Well, uh, it's funny. I don't, I don't do like, I, I'm not a music therapist, even though I think music is really healing too, but it's funny for the first time ever out in the desert. I think the desert's opening me up to new things and new ideas, but um, Mm -hmm. I met a young woman recently who does sound baths. And for the Mm -hmm. first time I got interested in doing it. I'm, I'm not a fan of doing things like that in groups for Uh, my own introverted reasons. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. It's like a fall. It's not, it's like defenses or something, but I think I'm opening to that. So I might do that. Actually, I'm thinking of, you know, getting to know this woman and inviting her out to the desert and maybe, you know, inviting some clients yeah. out. Yeah. I've actually do done, that. done stuff like that. And yeah. I kind of find it to be kind of like audio meditation or audio prayer. It, it really gets me into like these, uh, I guess the way that the therapists talk about, it's like theta, theta state. It's oh, like okay. the, the, I don't know exactly how to explain it. You would, you might explaining that to the audience. No, that's not, no, I won't even bother my, that's not my scope uh, okay. of practice. Cause anybody who's doing, I bet that comes up in neurofeedback, biofeedback and people, there's like more serious science around all that stuff now. So I, I can't pretend that I'm going to understand the neurochemistry of it and not have all like half of your listeners call me out for being inaccurate. So oh, I, hey, there we I, go. Still, <laughs> I still talk about the neuroscience in terms of like, reptilian brain. Like I try to make it as simple as I need it for all my clients too. But for sure, I would hundred percent agree that um, music, I mean, a kid driving around, I was a kid in high school in the eighties, driving around Ohio, cranking the music as loud as I could, you know, like the joy Mm -hmm. division and the new order and the, Mm -hmm. you know, sex pistols um, because it did something to my brain because it made me feel connected. It calmed me down. It drove emotions through me. So Whatever the, the the neuroscientific terms are for that, I'm not sure, but it, we understand it's definitely to have a real effect. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead with your history. I mean... Uh, 
uh, you, you had mentioned that you grew up in Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, and then you kind of went to school for, would it be considered psychology and everything? Not like, even, honestly, under, undergrad, I studied something totally different. I studied comparative religious studies and Asian studies. Um, Ooh. So how does yeah. that, how does that relate to your graduate degree? Well, it's funny because we, you know, we, we were talking before we were doing the show about mm-hmm. the relativity of perception and that comes mm-hmm. up a lot in Gestalt. Uh, mm-hmm. re- relational gestalt therapy, which is sort of my ongoing training. Mm-hmm. But I would say that my undergrad experience, because I went to a private college in Connecticut, I'd been to a big public high school. The biggest thing that happened for me as an undergrad was, and this helps me now, was that I learned about the relativity of perception. Specifically at that time around, I took a freshman course on the Middle East. So mm-hmm. thinking about what's happening in the Middle East and the conflict with Israel and Palestine. I was raised thinking about one group's perspective and then I got the other group's perspective on that, you know, mm-hmm. conflict. And it blew my mind, like to think like, oh God, you know, like mm-hmm. you can be standing in the same area, you can be looking at the same thing and however you're pretty disposed, whatever your stories are, whatever been, has been passed on to you by your family, you're going to have a totally different experience at that moment. Yes, I totally agree. Um, I, I studied history in college and they were talking about the same exact thing, the Boston Massacre. Depending on who you are in yeah. that situation, you're going to have a lot of different interpretations. And the same thing goes for art when they talk about Van Gogh and expressionism. How many infinities between black and white or you know, certain things? I mean, there's so many different uh, levels of, or dimensions of, of, of certain levels of and appreciation and, and understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so to kind of see it, you know, talking about it in a social construct, it's totally true. Just to finish, though, I didn't yeah. I didn't go to grad school. I like to give this a little shout out um, to encourage oh, yeah. other people. I didn't go to grad school. I kind of avoided the formal study of psychology because I used to think it was like all like Freudian people laying on couches. I didn't go back to study psychology until my all around my I think I was around 40. Uh-huh. And it was when I was doing my community-based work and starting to, you know, wanting to understand more about trauma and community psychology, like what happens in groups. That's when I went back to study psychology. Was there like a particular reason why that made you want to pursue that uh, when you were getting uh, involved in the community more so? Because that's something that I would like to do too, Yeah, is to kind of well, help help people in the community, whether they be kids or adults, and just help them express them their emotions in a positive manner. You know, well, rather yeah. than uh, being self-destructive or projecting. Yeah, well, it reminds me of what I was saying in the beginning of the session of mm-hmm. standing, you know, seeing moments where you could connect with people and it would, mm-hmm. it would, for me, I would be moved, I would be transformed and you'd see a kid transform. Suddenly the kid's not the kid who's being sent to sit on a bench, you know, by the after school program police officers, uh-huh. you know, suddenly he's the kid who's having success. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was tr- I wanting, I was seeing kids transform. I was seeing kids again, who would sometimes like high school kids who already have ankle bracelets because they've been mm-hmm. to juvie coming up and saying, can we do this more coming after school? Can we hang out with you? And I wanted to try to understand what's happening for these kids and can we do more of it? So I started to see like, okay, these kids are getting transformed without actual mm-hmm. therapy. I'm, yeah. I've become more of a fan of the idea that kids will change and transform adults too, sometimes through mm-hmm. therapeutically informed situations or programs more so than even one-to-one dyadic therapy. So I just wanted to learn more about that. About, about what we were doing that was was helping turn around some kids who just weren't 
succeeding and thriving elsewhere. Well, sometimes it's just something to look forward to Mm -hmm. because I've been teaching some young kids as well, and they actually look forward to it, you know? And just to have that enthusiasm and to have their full presence in it. And you can tell, you know, as a, you know, because you're a therapist, so you know if they're there or not. So when they're fully there, they're fully invested and they really try. You're just like, wow. So I understand that pride where you're just like, I'm becoming a fan. But and see, you you don't need to be a therapist to notice that. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. You're doing the. You're probably doing the same thing I was. Where do you want to give a plug? Where, Where I'm curious, where are you teaching? Oh, sure. It's a creative program called The Hub. It's at a church in Culver City called Vintage Faith. And yeah, it's basically just a community-based program where we don't even care if you're church-affiliated. We're not going to like pound it down your throat or whatever. We're just like, hey, here's a space. Let's Mm -hmm. just go out, have fun, connect, and make some stuff. Nice. You know, it's nothing nothing like high-pressured. You want to go off and do learn your own thing, that's cool. But then, hey, if you want lessons and step-by-step process for people that aren't you know, the air quotes creative, which a lot of people try to throw themselves in that category, Mm. but people don't give themselves enough credit, you know, through negative self-talk and you realize, Hey, you might be a lot better than you think you really are. You just need to get rid of that negative voice, you know? Yeah. So like one of the things that I wanted to talk to you, Megan, that I was excited is about the the gestalt and, Mm -hmm. and the, the paradoxical theory of change is like the wholeness and the integration. I mean, we're already touching upon these parts, you know, just like in the intro up to this, up to this theme. So I was wondering if maybe you could kind of explain it and, and what happens to uh, certain people when they lack awareness or they have a low self-esteem because of it. Well, I, I was going to say, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. to point out you and I, when we first talked about this, you were mm-hmm. kind of asking me what a lot of people do, which is about like, so what happens in therapy? Like, you know, or what's the roadmap or what are the tools or where's the change? And I that's where I brought up this concept of um, the paradoxical theory of change, mm-hmm. which is that we don't, we can't, whatever as therapists or in people, we mm-hmm. can't, and it's very difficult to change anything until we've really gone in first to see what's the pattern now. Yes. How did the pattern develop? What's mm-hmm. the behavior and how does it serve us? And mm-hmm. I, I say this on my website. I feel like every so-called negative pattern we have mm-hmm. has actually been protective at some point. Mm-hmm. And so if we think we're going to like blow up, you know, like I'm going to give you some CBT tools or I'm going to like have you, you know, if you're, if it's like a sobriety thing, like go through the 12 steps, like, mm-hmm. which I, by the way, I'm a big fan of the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Some therapists are not, I am, but um, uh-huh. it's like, until you've really been able to go in and see, here's who I am. It's mm-hmm. really hard to get lasting deep, you know, change in, in any behaviors. So this paradoxical theory of change is like, let's not try to change you. Let's try to really get to know you. And then mm-hmm. there's, then there becomes like more flexibility in terms of moving forward and choosing to, or not make any behavioral changes. When I was doing the research on this whole uh, principle of it, I, I looked at it and I was like, Whoa, there's, I saw a lot of, of parallels within my own personal journey. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them was just surrendering to the situation, you know, mm-hmm. which is what you were talking about. Just looking in the mirror and saying, Hey, this is what it truly is. And I can't put any sugar around it, or I can't do anything else. And until you make that realization, yeah, you can't really truly change. And so it was kind of cool that doing the research, I was actually able to be reminded of that. And also too to be reminded of that the process is good too. like get lost yeah. in the process. And yeah, just find, just find balance through that. 
a lot of people, like anytime now I get a client call me up or a potential client call me up and say like, Hey, I've done a ton of therapy. I, maybe I haven't seen a therapist for a while and I don't mean to be mocking people. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to use a different voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no problem. You know, and I, and I think I just need some new tools. It sets off everything in my nervous system, which mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of us as therapists want to jump in and be like, Oh, well, maybe I can help you. Maybe I have the tools, mm-hmm. but I, I know this is like, I'm, I'm almost testing this now. It's not like a, mm-hmm. you know, research funded project, but mm-hmm. uh, anecdotally speaking, when I get these calls a lot and mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, wait a minute, you know, like, and spend some time on the phone with them because almost invariably, you know, people are seeking tools, they're seeking change. And and then there's just something they're not getting, um, mm-hmm. which is somebody to say like, well, what if it doesn't change, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and how is that? I throw so many people. Some people love that because they're like, oh, this is new territory. Some people are terrified. Some people want to stay in the trying the tools, in going to talk therapy every week for years, trying different therapists. But until you have somebody who's really going to get in your face and say like, whoa, but I really want to get to know you as you are right now and let's see what's happening nothing may ever change. Yeah. It's kind of like a trainer, you know, like there's somewhere that's fluff, like, or there's somewhere we're like, Hey, let's really get down and get crazy. You know, kind of like massage, (laughs) you know, there's somewhere it's like, it hurts because it's that deep and you're like, Whoa. And and that's the type, you know, that people really need to, you know, get into. And that's, that's the type that really changes. Well, and some, you know, there all kinds of therapy are great. All kinds of things can benefit people. And then some people need to stay in the patterns they're in. Like some people, you know, don't need deeper confrontation or deeper exploration or trauma, you know, work or EMDR or brain spotting or stuff that gets, some people can't handle it. Some people aren't ready for it. Some people function well enough in life, but yeah, if people keep looking for something and they're not getting it, usually it's relational and mm. it's hard to see. It's hard to see pattern because nobody's ever really you know, helped you without too much shame bump up against it, like to really get in and crack it and shift and see what, what Mm -hmm. those patterns are that aren't working anymore. Yeah. So what are some of the things that let's see that you've been finding kind of like recently, like the whole like lockdown issue? I mean, that's right. That's what you asked me about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause like, I know a lot of, a lot of your clients, like they've actually been doing better. Like they've been taking the the that opportunity surprised you, right? this time. Yeah. And yeah. it really shocked me because according to the news, everyone's going cuckoo. So tell me something else. Tell me the other side of the story and tell me some of the success stories that some of your clients are having. Yeah. Well, you know, this, and I think it was, that was, that's what got us focused on the paradoxical theory of change, which is, mm-hmm. I think some people said, okay, sh- you know, shit, like this is the situation now. Like mm-hmm. I can't go out of the house. I mm-hmm. can't spend time with people I love. I can't go to my favorite coffee shop and write. I can't go to this bar or restaurant. What can I do? And so it's like looking at what is and spending time in it. And some people seeing like, oh, like this isn't as bad. Now that I don't have all these options, it's like, you know, it's Kierkegaard's dizziness of freedom, you know, where you don't, where there's too many options, not having options actually made some people, my clients, myself included, actually, because I'm a closet introvert, feel Mm -hmm. more comfortable. Mm -hmm. The FOMO went away. You know, there was nothing you could really miss out on. 
But people started spending time alone. People started creating new habits. People started maybe getting outside more because they always took it for granted that they could. People got to know friends. People connected, even if by Zoom or by phone, more often with relatives, Mm -hmm. maybe than they would otherwise. So a lot of interesting things happen. And yeah, you asked me like initially, what was I hearing that was so challenging for my clients? Like, I don't, I didn't think I was being resistant, but I really couldn't Uh, remember a lot of stuff. No, but that's actually a good thing because we had the same situation where we were interviewing pastors at the church. And a lot of people, like if you were to watch the the news, like maybe a couple of years ago, people are just disbanding. They're leaving the church. They don't know what's going on. And so we're like, okay, well, let's bring them in and we'll, we'll let them know that let the listening audience know that stuff's still going on. People Mm -hmm. are still doing work. And, and in fact, here's the plan for the future, you know, like kind of like giving them something to look forward to letting them know that things are still working because Mm -hmm. I think psychologically that kind of hurt a lot of us to see businesses boarded up. You know, like over the course of time and then to see downtown L.A. completely empty. Remember the the drone shots or New oh, York yeah. or Fisco? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, what's happening? Is this global takeover? Like, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, I know that a lot of our emotions were kind of all over the place at that time. And so, yeah, I'm just glad that things are kind of calming down and cooling down and, and to hear that people are actually coming out on the positive now because- yeah. For the most part, I mean, we're only hearing one-sided news, you know, that, oh, everything's haywire. And so, yeah, I'm just glad to have you dispel the myth that, you know, that it was horrible for everybody. Well, I would say, and I feel like it's important to point it out. This is my own experience too, that when the, when the pandemic, yeah, this was right, overlapped in Los Angeles, it was our first summer, right? Where we were also having riots. I think more people were struggling and trying to come to terms with, you know, either their own a lack of familiarity with social justice issues yeah. or any of us who maybe been luckily a little more dialed in with social justice issues. We were feeling the heat and the intensity and the wish and the, you know, the wanting to support that, like that was more of a thing that would come up. I think if I'm remembering correctly in my sessions, than just something about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, yeah, I remember like, the whole society just seemed like completely unrest. And then it wasn't just a national thing. It was international as well. And I'm just like, wow, but I'm just glad cooler heads prevailed. I mean, the situation could have been a lot worse than it, than it turned out. And yeah, I'm just glad to hear that, that a lot of your clients are doing good. Yeah. Working with what, what they have. Some of the things that I also like to talk about too, is just how it's process-based and how rather than worrying about the future or the depression of the past, I mean, could you talk about that and how it kind of helps just people's like emotional or mental, mental frame of mind when they're going through something? I I think what you're saying process versus content. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. I talked to a lot of my clients about that. I talk about the phrase naming your process, like naming Mm -hmm. what's happening because half the time we don't know. So let me, I'm pausing for a second because I'm okay, telling no you, I'm doing, I'm doing it right now. I'm pausing uh-huh. for a second. I'm telling you what's yeah. happening for me. A lot of times I don't want to know the content. I don't want to know the story. Like my, I have a problem uh, in therapy because I have intellectual guards. You know, my brain's always working and trying to make sense of stuff. Like you said, thinking about the past, thinking about the future. So sometimes I'm wanting to stop and and just talk about process. So something like 
if the words go away, it's like, well, I'm noticing I have heat in my body right now. My brain is still racing. I'm wanting to tell you words. I'm noticing that I'm thinking already about what you're thinking. It's, it's doing this kind of thing, like noticing your process versus just running content because content keeps half of us, like you said, in past or present, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really shift anything about what our sort of visceral experiences in the moment Mm -hmm. and to know what then our feelings are in the moment or to make total sense of what's happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, would you, would you kind of say that that's kind of an alignment of your mental and emotional, would you say? like to have them somewhat balanced. Yeah, I would, I would. And again, I'm, please don't anybody think, I think I'm an expert. (laughs) (laughs) You have the letters, you have the letters behind your name. uh, Yeah, I I will. And I I mean, again, I'm half my work. I used to work in the marketing world and advertising. And my thing has always been about trying to simplify things. Same thing. I was nutrition educator, community nutrition. Like how do we, how do we put things in terms that we can get it and we can Mm -hmm. make it, you know, we can make use of it. I do think a lot, like I do, I do trauma work. And so mm-hmm. when we're doing trauma work, some of it is, yeah, how do we either put certain words or rapid thinking or thought patterns away if they are blocking us from experiencing the feeling? So some of it's putting those away and then some of it is yes, aligning it so that we can find a way to know what we're feeling. And then whatever's coming out of our mouth yeah. is an alignment with our intent and what we're feeling. So. If anybody's ever had a moment where they're fighting with a partner Mm -hmm. and in the back of their mind, they think of the worst freaking thing to say. And they, they know they shouldn't say it and they say it anyway. It's like gaining better control in those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I remember during my therapy sessions when it was really bad, my, my therapist or my therapist had asked me, well, she's like, well, what's your ultimate goal? And uh, what are are you, whatever you're doing on a day-to-day basis, is that helping you get to that goal? And mm. when you realize that, you know, it's that acceptance that you're like, whoa, it's not. Uh-huh. That's when you get like shook and you're like, okay, let's fix this. Let's get into the process of things. Forget about what happens at the end of the equal sign for right now. Mm-hmm. Because if you fall in love with the process, eventually at the end of the equal sign, we'll get better and better over the course of time. And that's kind of like why it was kind of cool to to have you talk about the paradoxical theory of change and like the way like uh, you know the Gestalt theory and all that. And I'm like, whoa, this is it. Kind of reminded me of my the entire process that I had to go through too. It was like the cognitive behavioral theory and stuff like that. Well, yeah, and I like, I mean, yeah, and I want to be clear because mm-hmm. I, I I do think all the tools and mm-hmm. and also say habits, like, you know, experimenting with introducing daily habits. Like you said, you don't have to be at the equal sign at the other side of it yet, but I I am a fan of trying things out, you know, DBT, CBT, introducing like 10 minutes a day of journaling or meditating or just running. They build, right. They do build over time and your nervous system will rewire to that too. So I think, you know, both things can be true. There's like deep process work Mm -hmm. and there's just simply introducing new habits, which over time your nervous system wants more and more and more of those things. Yeah. And then you're consciously changing your brain chemistry. Cause one of those things that I do, Megan is, you know, you're talking about journaling. Mm -hmm. Well, when I paint, those are kind of like my journals. Yep. And so over the course of time, I'm able to replace past traumas, you know, with certain things. And so I would like to actually talk to you about that in the future, but yeah, that's basically what that is. It's me kind of recorrecting my my memories of certain situations, and yeah. It's well, very, and you, it's about, you know, I don't. 
we maybe it'd be another show or something, but I do want to say that what you're saying kind of fits. There's a parallel in brain spotting, you know, Mm -hmm. where brain spotting has to do a lot with eye movement and eye movement also comes up in EMDR, but brain spotting is like, people are like, this is so weird. You like hold up this little stick and people's eyes follow it. So Mm -hmm. something could even be happening. And I can't say, I know for sure when you're painting Mm -hmm. again, there's like, if your eyes are moving, it starts accessing things in your brain. So when your eyes, and it's like when we're little and we stare or even in therapy, like I can Mm. almost never look at my own therapist. (laughs) My eyes, our eyes are going to places all the time and Mm -hmm. does something in our brain. And so it, Mm. you know, I mean, I'm again, I'm making this up anecdotally. You might be right. What you're explaining could totally be if you paint there long enough, your eyes are going around, it's Mm. having, you're having memories, you're having thoughts, your body's relaxing and it could, it could you know, like refilter something or change something in your brain or click something in or have a realization that that does dissolve something or dissolves a trauma. Totally makes sense. Because it's really weird. Um, When it was really bad, I had this issue where I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. And so what I do now is every year for my birthday, I'll do a self-portrait to kind of do a, it's like an emotional check-in to make sure that I'm cleaning it all out. Because if I can't look at my own reflection in the mirror, I'm not going to be able to do a self-portrait. Wow. That's what I'm saying. And so by me able to do the self-portrait, it's kind of like, okay, I'm fixing this. I'm fixing this. And then another cool thing that I've done was I painted my mother who uh, my mom passed away and that's what kicked off my bipolar right. disorder. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a portrait of my mom. Screw it. Let's do it. And I just talk about looking in the mirror, right? Wow. So Whoa. I would like, I would love to talk to you about that. And I would love to talk to you in depth, like how healing it was. But remember how we were talking about that deep tissue, tissue massage that really hurts. Yeah. It's one of yeah. those. <laughs> Cause I suggested I it to my friend whose uh, dad had passed away during, you know, the whole lockdown thing. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if you're, if you're healed enough yet, but I suggest you do a portrait of your dad as oh. a means to emotionally heal. And she's like, that's an amazing idea, but I don't think she was ready yet. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would be, be wild, where she right? was. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to just kind of see how, like how our worlds collide. I mean, it was, it was kind of perfect. It was like, we, we, we meet up at the, Roosevelt Hotel, the the therapist, the cut chemist, cut and the chemist. artist. Oh yeah, I spent, <laughs> but, I spent a lot of time in New York City in the '90s dancing. I had a a, a boyfriend at that time who introduced uh, me to a lot of like the you know the '90s hip hop. Oh, that was the, music, one yeah. of the golden yeah. eras, man. You would you would yep. probably see like let's see, that was like the Stretch and Bobito days. So you'd probably see like Beat Nuts. It would just uh, be even maybe, DJ spinning records, even yeah, if Wu-Tang, it wasn't live. Probably like, Tribe, yeah. a lot of De La, maybe. Oh God, Farside, yeah, Karis oh, yeah. One, Eric B and Rakim, yeah, yeah. Look at yeah. you just dropping gold. I'm like from Ohio, the lady from Ohio, right? I know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. For a lady from Ohio, you go I know. to some cool places. I know. I know, music. man. You're like destroying the stereotype. Everyone's gonna music be like, "Save me, music." Oh. Music oh. saved me. Oh, totally. Me too. So let's see. Do you want to kind of do like your socials recap before we uh, close up this interview? Oh, is that me promoting my services? That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without me saying it. <laughs> um. Yeah. And everybody called me. I've gone, I want those tools. Um. 
MeganHansonTherapy.com. Yeah. And actually, I do want to promote, but what I want to promote, because I have a nonprofit I founded sure. and turned this. over by the young people in South LA. It's Root Down LA. Uh-huh. I am interested in talking to people, not just about my work or having clients, but people who want to do community-based projects. I um, stepped away from my own nonprofit leading it. And I'm really interested to understand if I'm going to get involved in something else um, in LA here proper or possibly out in the desert, like out uh-huh. near Joshua Tree. So if there are any people who um, just have ideas about collaboration, storytelling, um, yeah, there are a lot of creative things that I'm involved with that I think are therapeutic that could be powerful when done. Oh, in definitely. You let me know, like if there's any like kind of art programs or mentorship things, I would love to help. Because By know, the way, uh, I've told you about, I want to give a little plug to the Painted Brain too. Yes, you know I was okay. going to ask you about Painted Brain. <laughs> I just always want to mention is Dave, the founder, Painted Brain, because it's a it's an arts organization that um, works with young people um, struggling with, you know, just their various mental health issues. And so just giving them a little plug. Yeah, because I would love to get involved in something like that, just for the fact that I am one of them. And it comes with credibility, you know, like I was actually in a locked facility for, you know, drug and mental health issues. And yeah. so for somebody to see that, in that program to see somebody that was in the same situation as them doing, you know, something good with themselves that maybe hopefully they could. Uh, yeah. Do and this. that's tough. I don't want to just hop over the fact you said that oh, no problem. substance, substance challenges and mental health co-occurring is so hard, mm-hmm. so hard, so hard. Um, yeah, I cannot, it, I've worked in addiction treatment centers and it's like, there's so much, there's so much work you have to do. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would imagine. I mean, there's just like certain things like, I mean, you might say a certain word that might trigger somebody like no problem, you know, and so you have to kind of watch out in certain things. But at the same time, though, too, I mean, I was there and I'd like to give back and maybe if I could get involved with Painted Brain somehow, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, check them out. Yeah. Okay. So one last thing, Megan, yeah. uh, if you had a mantra for the year of 2022, what's yours God, that you could have to live mantra. by? Oh, you, you mean like, um, for everybody or for me, like something Just about for you, for like a slogan that you, that you're yeah. going to live, live by. I don't know. I probably, I think I have a theme. Um, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it's perfectly worded. And of course there, <laughs> there, my intellectual guards go, it's gotta be like uh-huh. perfectly worded, but there's something about a theme for me. That's about digging deeper with intimacy and fighting introversion at the same time. I think there's <laughs> like a, something happening for me. That's like, constantly being pulled between feeling comfortable being alone and then being lonely and then, but wanting to be alone and then wanting to connect with others. And I'm really trying to dig in and maybe connect with others because Mm -hmm. a lot of people take social structures for granted, families, community, whatever, and see, I'm like putting way too many words to it now, but yeah, I'm constantly fighting and I want to keep fighting to stay connected and build intimacy with others, but honor the fact like I said, the, the paradoxical theory of change, honor the yeah. fact that there's a big portion of me that also wants to be alone, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, it totally does. Because I've done the Myers and Briggs, and I guess I classify oh, yeah. as an ENFP, and they're supposed to be like the most introverted extrovert. So I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. For Aquarians. Don't even worry. I feel you. (laughs) Yeah, Aquarians. Yeah, we're like, we're like 50 years ahead of the time. And actually, even funny saying that right now, it makes it true. Like we're 50 years ahead of everything usually. And so it's frustrating to be here now because we don't fit in maybe sometimes for that reason. And it's not like we're so great. We're 50 years ahead of time, but it's like, 
we can imagine things the way they aren't and yet, and they might be, but in the meantime, we're like, we don't fit in. So. Oh, I feel you, man. I was wearing like all those crazy colored socks like 20 years ago. I didn't, people didn't think it would all that cool when you wear them on the basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) Now. No, but no, but I would do it just to mess around. Like I'd murals playing basketball and Argyle socks just to joke around. Because they were like the worst socks to ever wear on a basketball court. Oh, I wish I had that bravery. I wish I had the bravery. <laughs> okay. and, yeah. So you're ready, Megan, for this lightning round? It's like God, you didn't, really you didn't warn me questions. about it. But I'm up for it. Well, let's take really quick questions just for the audience to get to know okay. you better. Okay. We have one or two answers. Are you ready? Okay. All right, let's go. Question number one, the Jurassic 5 or the Jackson 5? Jurassic. Okay, number two. But uh, with respect to the Joe Jackson. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay, cuter couple, young Urkel and Laura or Joni and Chachi? Oh, God, that's tough. Oh, probably Urkel, <laughs> honestly, okay. yeah. Okay. I don't even know the other one, but I know Urkel. I don't remember his new girlfriend's name, yeah. Oh, uh, Laura, yeah. Okay. okay, bike riding or hiking? Lately, post-COVID, is Vikings moving up there? Oh, I know. I've been noticing. Okay, yeah. when bike riding, uh, hills or by the beach? Where would you like? God, I, I'm shocked it's coming out of my mouth now. Hills. I, I always thought I would never fucking be a bike hill rider until I took uh-huh. my old Japanese. Sorry if I said F word. Uh-huh. Oh, it's whatever. Took, <laughs> took my bike. I took my old Japanese bike over the Hollywood Canyon Hills. My heavy mm-hmm. Japanese bike over the Hollywood Canyon Hills. So now I'm going to own that. I can do hills. So Probably you're going to have like the super buff thighs? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, question number five, Dodgers or Lakers? Uh, neither. I was a lacrosse, all Midwest lacrosse goalkeeper. And I love, okay. I love, I love the world cup. Okay. So who's your squad then? Neither. I've never <laughs> been to either game. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. you're outing me. Okay. Number six, Korean barbecue or Thai food? Oh, Roy Choi. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's a buddy as I'm like, probably going to lean towards Thai more often, but had the best Korean barbecue just last week with a friend. I'm going to forget the name of the restaurant or I'd plug it too. So probably Thai. If I had to pick, if he was like last time, last meal, last meal on earth. Yeah. Okay. And you said, and you say you're, Oh man, I, I'm not from LA. That was a totally LA response. Okay. <laughs> Number seven, Rachel Ray or Bobby Flay. I don't watch either, man. Kids in South, the kids at Root Down LA, they know how to throw down some healthy food. Oh, okay. Then I'll go over there. Okay. Number nine, uh, tacos or Philippe's? Tacos. Okay. But if you give me a Philippe and ask me in a year, I'll I'll know. But Uh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Number 10. Here's the most important question of them all. Okay. Cut chemist or cutting out things that no longer serve you? they kind of are yeah like yeah like listening to one doing the other i don't know somehow like yeah you got to give me a true alternate yeah yeah okay how about both at the same time while i give you a painting but megan it was nice having you for the interview and what fun thank you yeah i just wanted to say this um i don't know if you remember this but when the lakers won the championship i did a painting that you did or that you took a picture of with two cactuses yes and a little water meter and I put I a Lakers 2020 on there. Well, I'm, that's going to be hung in your office. I'm gonna <laughs> it over You're going to be you. like, yeah. listen, lady. Yeah, you, you may not be from L.A., but you therapize in L.A. No, no, no. Like but that. I'm going to give you that in commemoration of just being really cool. Take a chance. Uh, do something on a whim and you might meet some really cool people. Absolutely. Yeah.
Like, I mean, I had you to were the brave bail one. on me, right? You were the brave one that night. You were the yeah. brave one.